Yo, yo, yo. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Win-Win Effect show presented by Winject Studios. I am sitting here with one of my favorite people that I've met over the last month and a half, Dr. Ruth Mary Allen. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. It's such a pleasure being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm super excited to talk yeah, to no. you today. <laughs> All right. we're, gonna, we're just going to have a ball just like this, ladies and gentlemen. This is our normal conversations. And that's it what is. if someone's showing up at their true authentic self, and if I can maybe take a snapshot of that and saying this is the description, there it is, right here. Um, she I is, have she my is. tissues ready. <laughs> I know it's going to be so much laughter. I know, and right? Tears. <laughs> I actually, you know, to be honest with you, because funny is that most people, you know, when they, I don't know, like I like to have a fun, right? And I like to ha laugh. And sometimes when you get into business stuff and board meetings, it gets really serious and you're digging in. And obviously when you're working with your clients and havening and we're going to go all into this on a neuroscience and all the you know post-traumatic stress things that you help people with, depression, especially children and adolescents and understanding who they are. But when you kind of like are dealing with that type of stuff, you have, you need a release and that's mine is humor. And, <laughs> and our last conversation, people would tell me, people would tell me all the time, like my cheeks hurt because of you, like today. <laughs> I make them laugh, but I'm not making them laugh. It's that we're holding space. We're having a good time. That's right. And as humor is so important, it's a really vital part of uh, lifting your mood. So the it more is. we laugh, the better it is for us, as you, as you know, and I know too. So yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of information that I'm pretty sure that we're going to unpack pretty quickly on this. And for those who don't know who you are and what you're about, there's a lot of in your story, and I'm sure we're going to go all the way in detail. But if for the most part, like say, for instance, you're out here in the UK and someone was maybe hearing you talk to your daughter or something, or maybe just being out and about what they call it, going on a wonder, going on yeah. a wonder and that they bump into you and like, you know, like, what do you do for a living? Like, how do you, how do you go about kind of explaining that to an individual that maybe doesn't know who you are all the way? Sure. So I, I help people unchain their pain. Mm -hmm. really unlock the secrets to greater mental clarity and performance for themselves and, and really help them unleash their full potential through the lens of brain health. Mm -hmm. So I'm really focused on the aspect of your brain and how you can get the best out of your unique brain by doing those three elements that are so important mm -hmm. for us stepping into that person we want to be. So when you're using, well, how do I say this? People, I think, I think it's on an unconscious level. Although, on a, yeah, I think on an unconscious level, how much capacity do people typically use their brain? So I don't think we. I mean, I can't put a, an absolute figure on it, but I don't think we. Yeah, a range. It's like I was just looking for a range because so I, I would say twenty to to forty percent, maybe. Capacity. Maybe. Yeah. Because right. I was thinking, because I've seen the numbers change drastically actually in the last probably like 10 years since there's been more discoveries when it comes to the human I'm, i think that we're in the most exciting time when it comes to really getting a deeper understanding of awareness of what's happening inside of your mind people say the brain is there for you to think and contextualize and articulate it's not your brain is only <laughs> there to protect you and keep you alive that's right, what it's for exactly. that's the function of your brain yeah, it might do all these other chemicals and go into the dopamine. All the, we can go all the serotonin. We can go all the way in detail in this. But on a on a unconscious, I think it's on a conscious level that when you're that frontal lobe is so powerful, it's so powerful. 
However, it can be a detriment to you if you don't understand the conscious and unconscious part. Would you say that's the first step of really? Yeah. Yeah, 100%, because we, um, our frontal lobe is only online when we're c consciously thinking about mm -hmm. things. Most of our time is spent in the unconscious state. That's mm -hmm. how we, we operate. And that's also a lot how we get our ideas in the, at the unconscious level, the ideas come, come to mind. Mm -hmm. So we, when we don't check in to our unconscious mind, we're missing massive opportunities as to really yeah. what we are saying to ourselves and uh, those what we would call automatic negative thoughts and they can be positive ones as well but many times it's these thoughts that are rumbling around in the background unconsciously that affect who we are and how we show up and all of the other other unconscious activities that take place including our responses that have been encoded in our mind as a result of past traumas or unhelpful experiences all of our life experiences really affect how we operate at, a, an, at an unconscious level and, and obviously also that then affects how we operate at a conscious level too. I got you. What's actually triggered, and I know this answers, but this is for the listeners. What's, <laughs> what's triggered you and spiraled you into the role that you are in and what's, why do you enjoy the neuroscience and the human brain as much as you do? Yeah. So my, um, my story in terms of understanding imaging and um, and the brain actually started at university. So I did a course in neuroscience at university, and, and my 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 degree is in physics. My first degree is in physics. The second is medical imaging and spectroscopy. But <laughs> say that five times. <laughs> Medical imaging and spectroscopy. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, but it, I'm it, it wasn't about the brain. It was looking at the skin. Mm -hmm. But my understanding of how to, to look at all of that was really important. Mm -hmm. But it really started in earnest when I was working in the corporate world. And I was I wanted to go back into the medical space. I've been working in all different um, business sectors. But I really my real passion was to get back into medicine. That's where I really enjoyed it. And I joined the firm that I was working for, for that very reason. But as I went through the course of that time in the firm, I put all of my energy into focusing on getting promoted, sacrificed late nights, early mornings, missed time with family, not looking after my health and well-being. And I really thought I was on track for promotion. And one of the drivers behind me going to work in the, in the corporate space rather than working for myself which is what I've been doing for most of my um, adult life is I wanted to be able to settle down and have a family so I yeah. I fell pregnant I was so excited I had all these amazing plans about what the future would be what would be you know what I would be like as a mom and everything um, and sadly I, I had a, a miscarriage very early on into the pregnancy and it just knocked me for six because all of my hopes and dreams got dashed um, mm -hmm. at the time that that happened. But shortly after experiencing that, I was put on an extremely unexpected performance review where the firm told me I had no emotional intelligence. I thought that was the weirdest thing when you told me this the first time. I, I think I did. I laugh out loud for a yeah, little while. I, I think I, I did. Now, yeah. but it wasn't funny. The time. I, yeah, we, I know, but I, that's, I think I remember apologizing to you. It's like, I'm not laughing at you. It, yeah. I think it's the most peculiar statement ever. It, yeah, I mean, I did get an apology from a partner within the firm, but not from the Of course not. You're, you're not going to get it publicly. Um, 
But the um, that was a real uh, punch in the stomach, really, um, mm -hmm. because I, I already felt like an, a biological failure from the experiencing the miscarriage. Mm -hmm. And then to be told I was an emotional failure, which right. is what I told myself, was just really awful. And so I put all of my energy into proving that I was enough, I was good enough, that I was worthy of, of staying in the firm and none of my energy into really looking after the grief that I was experiencing and and the the trauma that, that had been, you know I was exposed to at the time from this this miscarriage, which is really traumatic, and um, for not just the, the 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 mother but also the father as well, which I I was not consciously aware of the impact that you know the the other half has as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm um, thank, thank you for saying that because yeah. most most people. I'm not trying to say it because this is a very difficult topic and I have my own feelings when it comes to like deep feelings. I felt your pain the first time. Mm. Yeah. Even after laugh when they said that, but it was more of kind of change. It was funny is that unconsciously I was trying to change, trying to make you laugh because I could definitely can tell <laughs> and sense with you, yeah. you had a high emotional charge and it was in a difficult situation. And that's kind of my way of, changing your state a little bit and mm -hmm. peaking your mind to where I can, I can, then I can create more of an environment until you feel more safe with me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's important for you to mention the other side because there's a lot of even it doesn't, you can't, I guess would, you can't compartmentalize the, the trauma. It's like stress. Mm. Your experience is, is different than mine because you have a different mm -hmm. brain. Right, different yeah. experiences in we there. We all have different brains, so how we interpret things. So thumb, it's like a thumbprint, in my opinion, for mm, people. Totally. Right. So, is that something that you've always had? Uh, maybe an uncanny ability to maybe look at the other perspective and look at the other maybe potential parties or moving parts there and seeing in their way of understanding. It's difficult when you're. I'm just curious because it's difficult mm. when you're it's it's your trauma technically mm. and it's the people connected to you that obviously are affected as well. Mm -hmm. But you I get a good sense from you and a good read that that's something that you just do unconsciously is that you're I, able to kind of feel what they feel for a second. Yeah, I mean, I can. I, it, <clears throat> I've had a really um, odd connection all through my life with other people who I'm really close to that, okay. you know, the typical, um, uh, no, know, knowing that someone's going to talk to me before the telephone call happens. Uh, oh my classic, gosh. All time. Yeah. yeah classic. Um, you know, one time years ago when I decided to do a surprise visit home from university to my parents and my mum, you know, mm. I, I was in at home at the time. My mum walked in the house and, and she couldn't believe that I was there. And she said, oh, my God, who are you? <laughs> mm -hmm. But my dad, who I had a very yes. strong emotional bond with from birth because my mum was poorly um, when I was a, a very young child, um, a couple of months old, had a very good bond with him. And he knew I was home when he walked over the bridge, the railway bridge um, in our village at the time. Um, and mum went up to the door and she said, uh, Michael, um, Ruth's home, he said, I know. I knew she was there. And we always had this strong bond between us. Wow. So I, I have had um, that. But I think for the 
situation of the miscarriage, um, it because I was in so much emotional pain myself, it took me some time to yes. okay, that was my point. open yeah. the curtains mm -hmm. um, and appreciate the pain um, that the other, my, my other half was in as well. Right. Um, and, and it was through coachings that helped me see the light really and, and, and get myself out of the, the deep hole that I, I ended up spiraling down into um, mm. because I, I just didn't feel good enough. And um, I was chronically stressed throughout the whole year, you know, working in the corporate world and um, putting all of my energy into proving myself from a business perspective and, and then all of the other elements of your life fall over if if you're not careful and that's exactly what happened to me that's what they say spirals. it spirals out of control but if you have a things that a lot of uh, i would you say unresolved trauma I, I didn't know that was like real real right it's it takes if what i feel in my heart and soul is whatever you ignore and you try to not deal with and put behind, I guess, you, but they have a saying in the States it's called sweeping underneath a rug. Yeah. And I did that in my previous relationship. I just always thought I had more time mm. to deal with it. I, cause I was too fixated on the future. Like new being in a relationship where I was a sole provider. I'm not just building, creating my life. I'm now creating the lives of potential children, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So as a husband or as a man, I was raised by very strong individuals, very strong individuals, women and men, okay? And that, I remember like the last gener like last gentleman generation, I guess you would say, like World War mm -hmm. II type of feel. And I get that feel here in London a lot because they still, you know, it's obviously a little bit more, I guess vividly me like memories of the war here because of what we mm -hmm. see what happened in World War II, right? So, and the point that I'm making, I was always raised to be a provider. Mm -hmm. Don't show emotions, especially negative. But then I learned, and as you know about my story, my father and how he would go about, I wouldn't say alarming children and alarming us in surroundings like, don't you keep it up? right? Kind of like scaring you a little bit. Keep it up. Well, I learned that was a negative thing. So sometimes in my, one of my tendencies, this doesn't even come from proclivities. This comes from a tendencies of what I learned. It would be acceptable. And how do you speak about somebody or to someone is more affecting than you putting your hands on an individual. And I'm just I'm really, truly leading with my vulnerability. I'm being so extremely vulnerable right now for some people. And yes, you can emotionally and verbally hurt someone that that's lifelong rather than potentially the other party. Cause it doesn't really matter about what you, it's the effect you have on others. So I was able to do it on a, on a tactical side in business, but I wasn't able to live a fulfilled life when it comes to my personal life, because I didn't know who I was doc. Yeah. And see what I'm saying? So if that, and I'm, I'm mirroring this with a situation with you, if that situation, if you had a lot of unresolved trauma, that's how you can completely spiral. Yeah. Because you don't know who you are now. Yeah. It's your identity is X, Y, Z. Well, the identity of you potentially, and I'm not, I'm just paraphrasing him. I'm not trying to make a statement like biologically or emotionally, right? Unstable or not sound and not, I guess, up to par to standards of everybody else. Even when it comes to 
I guess, a talent side and then also a skill of what you do for a living, that could have completely ruined you, Doc. Mm. Yeah. So I can see why that was the, but I think it also comes from your grit, you being prior military. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, don't, I don't see that you're going to freaking like surrender. No, I mean, I did completely the opposite, actually. Yeah. So I went into battle. <laughs> yeah, me too. That was it. Because we have, that's why like firemen or police, policemen or police women, I'm not just saying men, they run towards fear. They run towards, like, that's my first reaction, Doc. Yeah. I mean, that's what I did. I ran towards the comments, you yeah. know, and asked people to validate them. Mm -hmm. and, that, and one of my big things was interviewing everybody that was written on the, you know, whether it had the black and white, this is what we think about you. Oh, wow. And I, and I was like, well, you know, if that's what you thought, why didn't you tell me at the time that well, you, there was a struggle and we could have resolved differences and fixed it, not leave it to the end of the year with no, no warning, you know, in, in the mid year. So unprofessional. You. I, you know, what's funny is that me having my life in corporate America, not mm. really in corporate here, but I can see that it's very similar. <laughs> the higher you get up, the more cowardly they act. Well, it's cur it's courage, isn't it, to do the right thing at the right time? Yeah, but there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts for them. Yeah, they're, they're, um, they're potentially sacrifice their reputation within that corporation for their next promotion. Everyone's wow. in a position to get promoted. Mm. They're trying to, right? Yes. Yeah. So they're everyone's kind of in the competition of holding on to their reputation. Then they're never going to do the right thing because at the end of the day, if it's me or you, it's going to be me. Does that mm. make sense? Like yeah, exactly. all the way down to all the way down to a deep level. Yeah. Cause yeah, no one's going to care about your life as much as you. No. And I think what for me, you know what, when I reflect back on it now, it was actually the best thing that happened to me Yeah. yeah. because I, it, it told, it was that catalyst that said, right, this, I'm, this has hit my core values. There's no, for me, no sign of care in the culture that I was, uh, was in. I'm not okay with that. Um, and I need to make the shift. And I, one of the things that I um, joined the, the corporate world for was to get that um, training and development, personal development mm -hmm. um, support. And I realized that I could have done that my whole life. You know, I had the power to, mm -hmm. to invest in myself and, and get the personal development support. And that's exactly what I did. So I invested in a in a coach myself and got the help that was important for me, the right help. We had an emotional intelligence coach. I invested in a business coach who focused on the business, and he was great. But I obviously everything, all my other life um, arenas were crashing around me. So I invested in a in a coach that looked at all of me, not just at my business aspect, and that oh, really wow, helped me so powerful. myself up. This is so powerful. And I don't want to interject. I have to because I have. It's a really important point you're bringing up. I meet so many people, Doc, that they think they need a business coach and that's it. I'm like, okay, so, I mean, look at the sports. Look at sports, okay, just for a second. Um, let's go to the number one person that pops in my head, Michael Jordan. It's really easy. Mm -hmm. He had a fitness coach. He had a um, strength coach. He had a lot of different types of coaches because you're looking for something very specific. If you need an, uh, an emotional intelligence coach or that's important, 
that's going to allow you to look at things in a different perspective. And in the only way for you to look at it in a different perspective is you got to give sometimes in this situation, scientific proof. That's when I started studying the human mind, doc, you know, my story, mm-hmm. when I started studying the biology and the psychology, all this stuff is to make sure I wasn't freaking nuts. How do I know what I know intuitively? How am I able to do this? I can literally immerse myself into your world. And as you were just speaking, I was feeling your pain. And it allowed me the opportunity to feel it the way that you would feel it for, for a second. And then I'm able to ask the next question. Mm. But the reason I, I just did it without knowing anything, because I was exposed to it at a very young age with my sister. And people think that that's like some hocus pocus stuff. This is scientific proof. They're now shining a light on stuff that we do. We've done our whole lives. And that's what I teach with when it comes to sales. You've been doing this your whole life. The best salespeople are children. Think about your daughter for a second. If she wants that, she wants that candy or sweets, you call it. She's going to try to convince you. And she's not going to, she's not going to stop until she gets what she wants. Correct. That's right. That's right. If you can learn anything, learn something from children because they're they're at the point, the brilliance age between I think zero to seven, the brilliance age of a human mind, where anything is possible. They're not scared of anything. There's no there's no restrictions on right. on on them at all because we haven't imposed our societal norms on them. Exactly, and you and this is where I'm going to make this transition and going into the children because I think it's powerful. Yeah. You, you do havening, havening for those do. who don't know. Can you talk about that for a second before we go take a deep dive yeah, into the sure. adolescence of a human mind? Yeah. So, so havening is a very new approach, havening techniques. Mm-hmm. It's a psychosensory approach. It uses the power of human touch mm-hmm. to generate calming delta waves in our mind to really calm our brain down. It was developed by Dr. Ron Rudin and Dr. Stephen Rudin in the US. Yeah, the and they brothers. started. The two, two brothers, brothers yeah, yeah. <laughs> twins. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they have a lot of connection. Um, and they started looking at te- the looking for the best technique that would help people with PTSD, so major major trauma. And they initially looked at um, things like EFT or tapping. And then they kept on researching. They've been researching for the last thirty years. So tapping's been around for what for quite some time now, mm-hmm. and it's it's very well proven. But they discovered the power of human touch and the ability for us to really leverage the power that we all possess inside us, which is this necessity for us to connect physically with each other um, and using it to best effect to help calm our mind. And we know from, from scientific study that it's absolutely essential for children to experience human touch from the point of birth because it emotionally regulates um, the child and just it, uh, just real quick on that, if I can, is it when, because I know this because of like birthing stuff, you know, my daughter's what 19, 18 months now. Right. So mm-hmm. when we were, and actually we went through this course in class of what should happen when in, unfortunately she had it, my ex had a C-section, but mm-hmm. the, but it was, everything went fine. But they, um, when she was born, like right after she was born, I cut the cord, you know, and I did all that stuff and it was a very emotional, that was the, a pivotal moment in my life. And we don't need to go into this about you, mm-hmm. but the point I'm making is that why they put the baby on the mom's chest 
Yeah. Like skin because to they, skin, skin to skin. Exactly. Because they need it for oh, that wow. emotional that first bonding time. and, and yeah. support their survival. So it's. Yeah. I feel, I feel that on a deeper level now because of, I know that information, but I didn't put the, that, that where I can see that it applies with why havening is so powerful. Yeah. So, so it's absolutely vital. This emotional, physical connection with people from an early age mm-hmm. is, is really vital for kids. Get because the red they need over it. you. You got the red baron flying over. You hear that plane? Oh did yeah, you I the, do. <laughs> did you? Was it on my end or was it your end? That's I know it's like a red baron's flying over. You see how the military <laughs> went with that? I don't know what. The powerful the human mind. Anyways, go ahead. Proceed. Yeah, so Sorry. It's, that's okay. It's um, it's really important for kids because their brains need that physical contact to mm-hmm. help with their cognitive development. Um, with they need it from a loving and nurturing perspective and they also need it in a sort of physical play perspective to know how to manage their evolving emotions that are developing in our mind because kids have an emotional mindset all the way through their life and in fact um, our brains don't fully develop until we're 25 as females and 28 as males. So that's why teenagers are so emotionally charged because that brain is, is what's on overdrive and when they're growing up because their prefrontal cortex, which is the executive function or the logical part of their brain, hasn't fully matured. Um, and so it's really important that we give kids the tools to help them manage their emotions and that's tools that we can obviously do as parents in in terms of having that physical contact with them and that bonding that 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 kids need but also we can empower them to do it for themselves so it's an incredibly havening is an incredibly simple technique to to learn um so simple that my daughter lily has learned it at 18 months um, and she does havening to nursery rhymes, which, which we so have. That's so crazy. That's so crazy. <laughs> you got, I don't think you sent me a picture. Did I haven't seen her yet? I don't think I've oh, seen her. I'll send did you one. Yeah, you have to send me one. So. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh Cause I, I did actually think of her the other day cause I know that she's around the same age and I, and I was is, like, yeah. yes, I was like, I thought of her cause when you were mentioning as we had a meeting last week and it was obviously a personal thing, but there, I really think that, and even funny is that I thought of that afterwards. It's like thinking, I was like, man, I think that's what gives her more passion to drive that because it's, she has a child at that age that she's able to show people this, this is what could happen if you did this at a, it, a, it early as possible with yeah. the human mind. Yeah. That's so powerful. Go ahead. Keep yeah. going. I love this. Yeah, so she, I mean, you could visit my website. It's just Ruth Marianne. Maybe that's where I saw it. That's where I saw it. But go to forward slash havening with Lily, L I double L one. You'll find find a picture of her there. Yeah. Um, but she, uh, and she, you know, you can access all the all the videos she's done of nursery rhymes, <laughs> havening to nursery rhymes. She had her first conference alongside Gabor Mate at the age of two. So, um, yeah, so I'm really proud of what she's done. As you say, kids are great, aren't they? From a mm. Uh, advertising perspective but a sales perspective but she um she suffered trauma from birth so she was born by mm-hmm. c-section herself mm-hmm. and she experienced uh, nightmares from birth as a result of the the um difficult Traumatic. labor yeah and um i was convinced that she had nightmares there was a lot of conflicting information in the in the media about what whether their kids do or don't um and i it wasn't until I lost my dad. So my dad 
um, suddenly passed away in September 2019. And he, I was there when he, when he passed away and they turned his life support off. And I was told oh, to learn about havening um, when I was, because um, I partner with the Amen Clinic. So they've recommended me look up havening and learn it, add it to my toolkit. And I parked it, didn't think anything of it until obviously I lost my dad. And I put all of my energy into helping my mum deal with the trauma and the grief and none of it into helping me. And I, um, I was struggling emotionally. I, um, pretty much every day I would be crying, um, not able to let go of that that day. Couldn't put on the top that I was wearing at the time um, that he passed away because of all the all the associate attachments from from that particular event and so i reached out to get some havening support and in one session i went from a distress rating of a seven to a two um which was phenomenal um and and you you you've, we've talked about the seven ways so yeah um and then within a week i could talk about it without having a complete breakdown mm -hmm. and i just thought to myself this is fun this is phenomenal um, it, the power it blew, of this. blew my mind. It blew my mind. And yeah. I do know of the study and I know of the two brothers. And I think I was telling you, Marks Casarubia, what she's done work with the two yeah. brothers yeah. And on a very deep level. Like we're, it's so funny how the world and the universe works that I've known these people and I've heard of it and I've, and I believe it could be, could be true. Just hasn't, yeah. I just haven't done it myself because I was too busy yeah. sweeping things underneath the rug. Right? Does that make sense? <laughs> like I, I'm good. Like I'm good. I don't need this shit. Right? Like I'm good to go. Like so, I can. I'm highly emotional intelligent. I'm making money. I'm being. You know, I'm doing. I'm. You know, doing this in business. I'm grinding. I'm hustling. But I wasn't ever taking the time for myself. But yeah. from, from even last week, when I, I, if you say my emotional charge for it, I would believe it's around one or two. Yeah. I don't have any. Like, there's no. There's, it's there because I didn't remove the memory. Let's talk yeah. about that. If you can actually choose to – what I loved about it a lot is that you're able to – if you choose to put yourself in that experience as a third party, as in who you are presently now, that was yeah. the biggest thing that I took away from it. Yeah. And, and I'll share this with listeners. I don't care. But going back to the time where my sister was you know, obviously passed away and the time at the grave – and her, me sitting there, and I was the last one sitting there, and I can hear the tick, 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 tick. I mean, see, I'm talking about right now. What was mm -hmm. happening last week when I was talking about it? Yeah, I was, it was losing really it, <laughs> losing it. But yeah. I learned how to look at it in a different. But obviously, and I could even now, even now, when I just said that, I was, I wanted to move my, I wanted to touch my hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how powerful your mind. Is. Your people don't understand yeah. the amount of. I guess what's available is there. We already possess it inside ourselves. Exactly. You just need to, you need to investigate that time that self, self um, cultivation of self discovery and self, you know, obviously that the self discovery and that silence, you'll, you'll find the answers, but you have yeah. to know what to look for because the human mind is so complex, especially when it comes to emotion, you're going, yeah. they, they, people think, what is emotion? Like, well, that's energy in motion. They're, they think it's so complex. You even look at the words that we use in the English language. Information. Just use this word. Information. Information. Putting people in formation. And how do you get in, in like formation? What do you do from there? Cadence. 
cadence mm-hmm. is a rhythm and a beat. It everything that we do, you have to realize it's all in there. Yeah, it is all in there. And I think what's so great about this technique um, compared to some of the other ones, um, which you ex- you know we we went through, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Is for people who don't think about the trauma and they've put a lid on it and it's too difficult to talk about because of the emotional charge that Mm. is related to the experience or they can't talk about it because they're too young at the time to be able to express the words because our words don't form until we're older so we don't have the the cognitive uh, the the thoughts are not connected to our emotions until we're we're much older it's still developing when we're we're children mm-hmm. is that havening you don't have to say anything about your experience to me or, or to a practitioner that you're working with to achieve the benefit and that's really powerful i like um, that a lot yeah it's really powerful pe- for people and you, you know you said yourself many people don't like to check in um and acknowledge that they're they're struggling um and you know just i'm all right i've got i've got this um and Mm -hmm. and it's hard to check in because like stress trauma stacks and so Mm -hmm. when we do um sweep it under the rug as we'd say in the uk um, oh, you actually say that in the UK. I just thought it was an American <laughs> yeah. thing. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, the dust builds. You, it's mm-hmm. like you amplify the dust underneath the rug. It's not. It's not just the dust that you had there because it's staying there. It actually multiplies. So putting a lid on your trauma doesn't necess- doesn't help you in the long term. It leaks out at some point in your life. It can leak out. There's m- many more um, scientific articles showing the connection between childhood trauma and and um chronic illnesses later on in life because it goes unresolved so it's really important that we don't bury it and when we when we are ready to uh, release it that we do it in a constructive not destructive way um, and that we find the right approach or the right therapy or the right coach um, to really help us release that energy because it's stored energy inside us. Emotions need us to release, don't they? 100%. So we have to release it somehow. Whatever emotion, if we get angry, if we get excited, there's an energy release that 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 is associated with that emotion, and it's important we do that in a way that is constructive. Hmm. I like to use, and I actually use this example with my oldest niece. She, when say suffers. But she result one of her tendencies and coping mechanisms is holding it in mm-hmm. and dealing with unresolved issues. And if you hold it in, you end up depending on what you do. Uh, could be overeating, eating disorder. It could be, mm-hmm. um, you know, lashing out verbally, abuse, kicking something, throwing something. Kids don't understand. She's ten years old, so. One of the things I was trying to tell her is like when you hold, I said, like, remember when we, at your birthday party and at the birthday party, we had a, the, the balloons and how do we fill up the balloons? She's like, I don't know. It was like the gas thing. And you put it and you did it in your mouth and you talk really funny. Well, that's what it's like inside that helium bottle is these emotions, these negative emotions, the emotions just it is, is actually neutral, right? That energy is neutral. It's what you give the charge to. That's why it's called emotional charge. Mm-hmm. But that helium, just like 
the emotions and just like that stuff, if you keep it suppressed for so long, there's only so much amount of pressure from the outside that can combust. And I didn't use the word combust with her, but combust and burst and blow that up. But if you blew that up in that gas, it's going to, it's going to shoot out. It's going to hurt someone, but you don't want that to hurt you. Do you I'm like, no, I wouldn't want it to hurt me. I'm like, well, you wouldn't want to hurt your family, but you wouldn't want to hurt me. And so I made it real for her. So when I made it real and you're using an analogy, mm. you have to go where they are first. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You can't you go. And because what you will end up happening, you'll get frustrated that you're not able to communicate with a 10 year old child that you're what you're, you don't even know what you're feeling. i truly believe that we're set up to fail in life. Mm. We are set up to fail. We're, we're in a losing battle. So, that's why I believe that this time, this era that we're in right now, it's so critical to the human race. It is so critical that we not just refuse to, I guess, step in line and conform. It's not about business. It has everything just being happy and true and knowing yourself. That's what the Greeks say. It's had the saying, know thyself. But it's the biggest illusion of all time because no one knows who they truly are until every single day because I'm going to regress or obviously um, maybe progress a little bit or maybe even worse stagnant and then not understanding. But the more that you go through life and not checking in with yourself every day, how are you able to, how are you able to make the proper adjustments to live a better quality of life? Yeah. And I think what's really important in the check-in as well, which I found through, um, you know, my, my evolution for myself is, is not, is not just focusing on who you want to be, which is absolutely critical, mm -hmm. but, but acknowledging who you are and what emotions are running in the background. And very often people don't check in with their emotions during the day, the ones that they're not consciously aware of, and they drive our behavior. Um, and until you bring it to your conscious state and you write it down, that's really important, you won't realize what program you've got in your head running in the background that could be doing real harm to you, mm -hmm. um, either in the near term or the long term. Um, so it's really important that people take that time to check in with their emotions and get curious with them, not furious. That's really key. Is, like is that. Not say that, be a say that again for the listener. I want the listeners to really hear that again. Yeah. So get curious, not furious with your emotions, with your thoughts. And focus on being that um, emotional scientist rather than the emotional judge. Mm -hmm. um, and we can so so easy. We typically default as a society, don't we, to judge others rather than asking the question, what drove that person? to feel the need to express themselves in that way. What just, was what's behind all of that, you know? Right. I was just not to cut you off. I was just having a conversation with a, a dear friend of mine. Um, she's in Australia, Belinda Agnew. She's phenomenal. And the, the amount of potential untapped potential inside of her right now is just insane. And I'm sure she's aware, you know, she's, I think she's what 30, a little younger. So she was mentioning that, and I don't want to get into her story, but she's like, say, for instance, I'll, I'll create another like type of scenario. But what she was referring to is people in her life sometimes end up saying like, you don't show emotions like a, a normal woman would like more of like a masculine type of mm -hmm. energy. Mm 
Okay. And it doesn't mean that she's not emotional. She's a highly, she, she's never felt safe enough to be able to show that emotional side and the feminine mm -hmm. side of her energy. Okay. So that comes from a lot of other stuff, but you know, she's working on it. She's phenomenal. Like I said, she is a active learner. Like she's learning something every day. So she's going to figure it out. Yeah. And then she mentioned, I was like, well, when that someone is telling you that what they're doing is projecting out from their experiences on what you should be because they're judging you and they're yeah. trying to conform. They're trying to make you step in line and be that person, a version of themselves that they think that they want to have in their life. You see my point? Yeah. But what they should do is ask the question. Yeah, exactly. Get curious. Mm -hmm. And if you get and, curious and about that, you'll open them up completely because now you're going to uncharted waters and you're changing. Now the human brain's not used to this information. So now your awareness is up. Yeah. Like, like oh, I'm interested. Think about yeah. that for a second, the human mind. If you're really interested in what I'm saying right now, you're really, you're like listening to every word. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not it's not everything you've ever heard before. And that's why it's so important to take that time to get really curious. I yeah. love that getting curious, not furious. Keep going. Yeah. Please. I, love I mean, it, you know, Dr. Daniel Amen is very mm -hmm. uh, often says this, get curious, not furious. Um, but I think, you know, for me, if that had happened at the time that I was having that performance review and there mm -hmm. was the curiosity piece rather than the judgmental piece, it would have been a very different conversation potentially to understand you know that I if I reflect back on myself back then I probably wouldn't want to be around myself to be fair because I was in a dark place you know mm -hmm. it wasn't a nice I wasn't a it wasn't the person that I really wanted to show up as because of the situations that were mm -hmm. happening to me at the time but it was the fact that there wasn't that curiosity to understand that layer beneath what you mm -hmm. see. You know, yeah. if somebody is having a struggle at work, is to get curious with helping them rather than judging them is, is really important. Um, and that opens the doors of opportunity to, to really help people and for them to realize that perhaps they need help themselves. 100%. Hmm. There's a key word is help there. You know, I was looking in, you know, you go back in your phone or go back in somewhere and back in time and seeing yourself through video at a certain time in your life. I was watching something the other day and I was like, you're so clueless, bro. <laughs> like you are just really clueless. Like you are a, yeah, you might be a bad son of a gun in your mind when it comes to business, but you don't know shit about life, bro. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I say to myself, but in a more of that's my way. Cause I know myself to get my attention, but you mentioned something and going into furious. Well, that comes from your egotistical part of your conversation that you have in your mind. Yeah. Well, I, I actually understand you can't destroy your ego. Someone said, I've hear these major influencers sometimes. And I wouldn't even call, I don't even like the word called to say the word influencers. They're not like, I wouldn't say they're more of a thought leader or, or self-help type of stuff. And I can't stop myself from now to correct them. <laughs> it's kind of like um, that Roger Rabbit. It was like, that, like shaving a haircut, shaving <laughs> and going through a wall. Like I go nuts. <laughs> like, oh my God, you're ruining them. You're ruining everybody. Stop saying that. <laughs> it's, it's untrue. 
That's you can't destroy your ego. That ego is important. I just give him a book or give him something to do because he can't read, right? So I keep him busy, but I pull him out when I need him. Yeah, so, and I mean, we all ego. have yeah, it. We all have it. You know, we all have an ego. Mm -hmm. It could be a major driver, emotional driver for us. The mm -hmm. importance of our ego being massaged or protected. And there are lots of different emotional drivers. Ego for me is one of them. But you can leverage it to best yeah. effect with your emotions. Mm -hmm. And when you understand that that's a driver for you, that you need to get that positive reinforcement, that, you know, the rewards and recognition that are important to you. And I, I have an ego for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's really important yeah. to me. Mm -hmm. But I, I, it's about leveraging it to best effect so if i you know we talked about i go into battles if somebody tells mm -hmm. me you're not good enough oh yeah I, that's I, like I would love to see that version of you fire. for a second i would love to see <laughs> I, I know that i know it's going to happen one day we'll end up being somewhere you know maybe the clinics or whatever whatever right we'll end up doing we're doing something and i'll end up and if i see that i'm like oh there it is there it is there it is like you don't want none of this i'm telling you because yeah. It's kind of like my mom, like, very similar. Like my mom is the sweetest individual, like woman, most nurturing. She's adopted twice. Think about that right there. It's not good enough. You're not good enough. Okay. Um, losing a daughter, special needs, eight back surgeries, got a pump in her, in her body, the morphine pump. So she's able to walk. She's a very active individual. Mm -hmm. There's everything about that woman. You, you talk about her life is is pain and struggle, but she's the sweetest person in the world until you piss off one of her children. She will turn into <laughs> and do whatever <laughs> she needs to do to protect. And that's, that's the mama's. That's what a mama does, right? Yeah. I mean, have is as, as a, as a young child of looking at someone at a certain age, is that something that you talk about? Cause I've never heard anybody really talk about this a lot is, or are they just too young at a certain age to understand that they're the what's that fire, that ego? No, what, I don't think. I think children are incredibly intelligent. Yeah, I think um, so. No, what I'm saying is like, as in trying to articulate that over for them to really grasp the concept of the different parts of their body or different parts of their mind and why they feel certain things. Cause I think it does stem from that. So I wouldn't see why we wouldn't talk about it with children. No, there's no, ego. no, there's no reason not to. Right. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't see any reason not to talk to children. And in fact, it's really important to talk to children about emotions and what drives their emotions. Cause they all, everybody will have different drivers mm -hmm. and for them to understand how they're operating and what is the catalyst behind those emotions is really key so no not at all i mean i i had a, a big ego from a very early age you know mm -hmm. i was i was seen as i was always called the golden child um oh no i definitely wasn't golden you know what i did <laughs> academically doesn't reflect what i did in my right. personal life um but you know it that was the fire for me is to is to be successful academically that fired me up it was really important that i continued to demonstrate that all the way through my child childhood and all the way through my um young adulthood and, and beyond and that and that 
is what kind of lights the fire and inspires me is to is mm -hmm. to be able to demonstrate that it's really important to me and that's not to say i've done it right all the time i haven't i've been you know when i was at university in my second year of university my tutor came to me and he said you're not intelligent enough to to go on into a further education you should just go and join the army and i was like that okay. lit my fire <laughs> i was already part of the military as a reservist mm -hmm. but i was like who are you to judge that the military you know have that label that they're not intelligent which is in essence what they 100%. were implying um and i i then thought well i am intelligent enough i am good enough i am enough to go and and, and i need to prove not only to him but also to myself so often it's about proving to yourself you are enough and that that then made me really pull my socks up um and and on, from then i went on to um getting a a degree two one and then a, a you know distinction in my msc and and then on to do a phd at cambridge but each hurdle you know i've had a hurdle you're not enough you're not good enough mm -hmm. um, and that's fired me up to to prove people wrong so Would you would, what would you say your competitive advantage is? Never give up. Never give up, no matter all mm. cost. What, whatever, yeah, just keep going. Yeah, I would say. I learned that from my sister. Is that you're not living for the tomorrow, you're like living for the next moment. Because mm. she was fighting to breathe, you know? So when she, mm -hmm. I can literally hear in my mind right now, the like the oxygen and the way it sounds when it you know like the in through a tube like i hear it mm -hmm. and despite i still have a vivid and, and you can tell i'm not getting emotional <laughs> but i can see you know like even the the breath on inside of the plastic of her mouth and you can see her smile when i walk in and that type of level connection and the the purpose of me mentioning that right now if you have trauma or an emotional charge, negative emotional charge is bringing you to a certain, like a um, certain level of trauma, like as in levels, like a one or seven or 10, mm -hmm. or how do you feel? If you have a high, obviously maybe eight and you're not in a safe place, you, you're miss. I can't remember that memory. It's impossible because you're running away from it in your mind. And that's why I think it's so important to learn at a very early age not to shy away is to lean in first. Mm. And if you lean in, you can, you can embrace it and realize it's not going to kill you. hundred mm. uh, percent. That's okay. You know, our emotions give us energy. Well, they, that's that it charge. Like you say, is that you can use that energy for good mm. and, and leverage it to best effect to help you, help you develop and grow mm -hmm. or you can not use it to best effect and help you wither and 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 de deteriorate whether that's psychologically physically or so so from a societal basis mm -hmm. um how we acknowledge those emotions and how we leverage those experiences that we have in our in our life and we talk about post-traumatic growth you know, it's using the trauma to help you get to that next level is, is, is possible if you know how to tap into the experience in a, 
in a positive, constructive way, and, it, and it's not destructive on you personally. Hmm. And we see this a lot from people. We see a lot of misinformation, misused information when it comes to post-traumatic stress disorder. Because I come from the military and I think it's only a military thing. Mm. It's an every person thing. They, yeah. talk, they talk about it. That's the most common thing that happens to those or in those emotional or traumatic experiences because it's life or death. That's where you're the most close to your human mind of actually understanding completely because you're actually doing something the way that your mind is designed to do is to protect you mm-hmm. and keep you alive. Does that make sense? So yeah, it's like, it does. So that's why they usually go to that. But I, it really irritates me and my ego starts to flare up a little bit when people make comments about the military and that's just a go-to. Because obviously, even if, say, for instance, if an individual wanted to hurt their spouse that was in the military, but they don't have any post, you know, post-traumatic stress, all that stuff, right? They don't have the, that disorder and they try to use it into their advantage inside of a court system or something saying that it could be a possibility. Well, it could be a possibility, but you also have to give a screenshot or a brain scan or a something. That's why I love Dr. Amos stuff of what's actually happening. Yeah. And that's one thing that I won in my favor the other day was the fact that there is going, to, I've already done mine, but there's also going to be done on the other side as well to make mm-hmm. sure. Okay. Well, now it's going to go to science, bro. <laughs> so yeah. it's a little different. Is it not? Yeah, now? it is. I mean, you, you, if you, if you don't image, you don't know. Yes. Yeah, what's going on it's like it's like going to the doctor with a broken leg and say doc my leg's really sore yeah, and they say questions. just take two paracetamol and it'll get better and you know i think i've broken it oh no you'll be all right i i can see the symptom of pain this is how we treat pain off you go to the doctor we mm-hmm. don't do that do we but we you know for a leg we'll image it and make sure we apply the appropriate right. treatment but we don't do it with our brain and that's so such a missing piece in terms of understanding the function of our brain um, and how our brain is working, not just the shape and size of it, which we typically do with MRI scans (laughs) and X-rays and and CT scans, but actually knowing whether it's functioning um, too hard, if it's working too hard or not working hard enough. And PTSD Mm. is the classic example. It's a very clear diamond pattern in the brain from people who who experience PTSD because it lights up all the regions within our brains and um, based on the experiences that have happened. People, so. people have a mis obviously infor- misuse of information when it comes to um, ADD and ADHD. Can you talk about that for a second, if you can, on the effects it does have on the human brain? Yeah, so so ADD um, is a preferred t- term because you don't have to have hyperactivity. So that's attention deficit disorder or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And it it can happen for a variety of reasons, but the principle and presentation from a brain perspective is that your prefrontal cortex, um, it when you focus or concentrate, rather than increasing in activity to help you with the task in hand, it decreases in activity. So your frontal lobes stop working as well as they should do, which is the opposite to what you'd expect to happen. And that causes people to be... Um, more risk takers, they may have trouble um, concentrating, mm-hmm. procrastination, um, poor impulse control, uh, poor judgment. And it's it's 
are really important to recognize that depending on how your brain works, there's seven different types of ADD, depending on the other regions yes. of your brain need to be taken into account. And it's appropriate to get the right treatment based on not just the symptoms that present from your ADD perspective, but also all of the other regions of your brain. Because if you if you apply the wrong um, approach or the wrong medication, that you can actually do the person more harm by 100%. increasing the activity on already overactive regions of their of their brain. So it's really important that people understand what type of ADD that person has mm -hmm. and that they treat the overactivity in the person's brain first before addressing the underactivity of the prefrontal cortex. I love that because um, I've heard people talk about it thinking they know what they're talking about. They have no idea what they're talking about, especially when it comes to someone experiencing. I have ADHD. So mm -hmm. it's more about, you can probably tell that now. <laughs> but, but my thing is, I, I wouldn't. It's not that I couldn't focus. I was the I was undiagnosed dyslexic. So for me, like mm -hmm. reading something off a piece of paper, my eyes will wander. And when mm -hmm. my eyes will wander, now I'm like, oh, the hell with it. I'm out. So you would have to get my attention. So what I would do is, even if it's on my desk right now, I always have like a little small little ruler. Mm -hmm. And what that's for is for me reading a document. People think I'm crazy. But it's not about, I'm crazy. I just learned how to use my brain in a different way and getting the same result that you get. Yeah. yeah. You can retrain your brain. It's a muscle. So it is me looking at that. Me just said, so now my eyes aren't going to wonder, doc. It's actually more effective to use your finger to follow the words. If, yeah, if, if right. People, because you read faster mm -hmm. for that very reason. So it's an important tool. <laughs> so here's my, here's my point that I want to bring up about it is when I would read, it comes from my traumatic experience of me being picked on as a child. So I would be in class and I would, you know, like the teacher would be like, Chris, I want you to read this paragraph. That was like the yeah. worst words to me. I was like, oh my <laughs> God, I literally could, I, I would literally block out whatever we're learning right now because I'm petrified of someone about the picking on me because yeah. I would have, now I'm forced to read it. So now I'm in my mind. So if you're in your head about something, you're not going to perform to an optimal level. No. And what, I, what, hmm. go on. My parents, look, it's not like um, my teachers didn't mention this to them. Okay. And they just, I wouldn't say that I was stupid, but they have to also come back. And I want my parents to listen to this and know that I'm not, this is not an insult. But when their first child was handicapped, nothing's wrong with him. Do you see my point? Yeah. Nothing's wrong with him. So strong. And, and I couldn't admit that something was wrong because it's a fear of that being accepted. So it's always about being, yeah. it was a deep, and we talked about this last week. Yeah. So there's a deep, it was deeply ingrained inside of myself. There's a lot of pressure that I'm the first child to be able to walk, talk, scream, shout, play. And I was really good at sports, but I always wanted to be the best at whatever I did. And yeah. that was seeking approval because of, Hey, look at me. And that came from the guilt, not in shame and fear and all that stuff. Right. So me understanding that now has made me powerful. Yeah. Cause I don't try to tell them that they did something wrong. They just did what the best they could do with the situation. They don't know. Yeah. And I'm more of a nurturing, like, listen, I'm gonna give them a hug. Like just relax. I'm not stupid. Look, yeah. at, look, look what I've done with my life. But it's not about what I've done. It's about what you allowed me to be able to do. Yeah. 
you know, so it's like a sheer yeah. legacy thing. But if you're looking back at this, people have a misuse of that information when it comes to ADHD and that this is a medication, right? The medication does has a counter reactive feeling because it's like a narcotic kind of like, what is it? A supplement? Is it a supplement? No, it depends. You can do all sorts. I mean, it's first not one of the spiral ones. supplements, but yeah, um, normally it's a, it, it will depend. Ritalin is a common um, drug that they use for people with right. ADHD. So that, what that does, and the reason why when they put me on Ritalin when I was a child to try to help me, well, all that did was slow me down. It's complete. It was like literally like taking me and it was like, I would, I was the kid that would get out of bed in the morning. My foot hit the ground. Zoom. I'm gone. Zoom. Zoom. I'm flying everywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I play was really good in sports. So I couldn't take Ritalin or take medication to be able to read off a piece of paper and slow me down. It's like taking me from zero to, I now it was actually negative a hundred to a hundred now of being able, I couldn't operate. Mm hmm. And it's not good for your internal, obviously your mm -hmm. heart and everything else, even at a young age mm -hmm. with your metabolism. So mm -hmm. this is what I'm saying about the misuse of information when it comes to their own judgment, casting judgment on an individual that takes medication to be able to operate at even a playing field pretty much of everybody else out there, especially when you look at corporate America, those types of, I take it. It has, it just zones me in. I'm dialed in. Mm -hmm. I'm, but People think I'm dialed in more than you. No, mm -hmm. I'm. It's an even playing field now. Mm -hmm. I can read yeah. as fast as you're reading right now, <laughs> okay? And I can understand information. But when you're slowing things down for me that way, that's why when if I'm not focused, if my mind's not on something, then I'm I, I don't feel right. See how powerful the brain is with this. Mm -hmm. And I want the listeners to really grasp this concept. Like, what advice would you give someone? I guess addressing it as early as you can with children and, and it's say for instance, they're a parent or something, right? Or maybe a, it could be a family member. It could be just mm -hmm. a cousin or uh, maybe it's a friend of the family. And it's a child that um, not say is undiagnosed or taking medication or whatnot, mm -hmm. or just being aware of like, maybe is there some things going on right now where that you're able to address it as early as possible to where, they don't have like maybe some a chemical imbalance later on and thinking that's going to be the pill because you know what doctors do sometimes mm. they misdiagnose because they don't ask enough diagnostic questions. Yeah. I mean, to help a child really balance their mind, if if people are worried about their children, mm. one of the best forms that is universal to help children balance their mind okay. is exercise. So that okay. can often, you know, that's been shown in some studies to be more effective over the long term than some antidepressants. Mm -hmm. It's it's great for any type of um, mm -hmm. struggle people are having. And for if your brain's working too hard or not working hard enough, exercise is a great tool to help kids manage their emotions. And we've seen the importance of that, you know, in this pandemic, kids mm -hmm. have become uh, more agitated and and mm -hmm. struggling to to manage their emotional mind, which is always on pretty much um, through childhood development, as I said, all the way up to 25 in females or 28 in males, mm -hmm. because perhaps they haven't been given that opportunity to go and exercise and burn off that uh, emotional 
emotional charge that they have inside so that would be the first thing is is to is to focus on that you obviously helping your kids and um, through um supplementation uh, a, a good multivitamin is important yeah. and omega-3 high quality omega-3 at the appropriate dose for your for your child's age is really important and if you really are concerned then obviously you can reach out to professionals um, obviously, I, I have partnership with through the Amen Clinics. You can reach out to myself from a child um, coaching perspective. It's coaching that you feel that your child needs. Often the dynamics with the parent, you know, the family dynamics have a huge mm -hmm. part to play. I so it's not so. necessarily just the child that will need coaching. It's the parents that will need the support as well. Um, because children feed off the environment that, that you know, as you know, as, as I know through growing up, is that you do what is necessary to survive. Yes, 100%. And children are more in tune with their own stuff, typically anyway, when it comes to energy. Yeah. Children and animals and stuff, you know, they mentioned cats or something like that. They'll pick up on energy. Mm -hmm. Like um, I have the, as a friend of mine, obviously in here in the UK and how do I say this? He's, I think he's right. I think he's like a, maybe a month or a month and a half older than my daughter, which I, Obviously, I'm aware of, you know, sometimes when you walk up on a brand new child, they're not going to, you know what I mean? Like, they're not used to like dealing with men. I think that was the comment I made. She's not used to, he's actually a bold little boy, but he's like a little flirt with little girl, like, like mm -hmm. women. He loves women because he's <laughs> used to being around women more than being around men, like strong men, yeah. right? Alpha type of male, like could, um, his dad, very much so, works a lot though, right? So not really at home in that, that, that time. And the more he's around it, he just naturally just goes to him because it's a male type of energy. Okay. Yeah. Well, the, people don't realize this. And she actually got me a book and it was, I was really grateful for it um, because it's actually, I've, I've read so many books and so many things <laughs> since during this time <laughs> off, I guess the pandemic or whatever you want to call it. Um, and she was talking about like, I, when I walked up to him, he was smiling and stuff. He was open to it. But still kind of like, I don't know if I want him to touch me, right? <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on here. But then over time, it obviously eased it up. But I did scare him a little bit towards the end because he was running. And I grabbed him and he was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love I love children. Like, I love children. Like, I, I have so much. I'm like, I'm the guy that sits down with a child and plays and everyone else is around doing whatever yeah. they're doing. Like, cause I'm, I don't know, the people think that it's like, well, why do you do that? Because I just, maybe cause I had it as such a happy childhood. I think that maybe that's where it comes from as I had such a happy childhood. Like, yeah. like during that, I think it was the happiest time in my life was that time where I, my sister was, my, both my sisters around, I'm playing, I'm having a good time. And that was before <laughs> everything spiraled out of control, but that's where the, that human mind's important, right? So if you're teaching your child or teaching people that are an adolescent to that brilliance age, knowing how to feel that's important. Yeah. And I think as well is to be mm. cognizant of um, your child may not be able to express to you how they are feeling in a and way that fine. we understand as adults, we would express that sense of despair or, or, or um, concern mm -hmm. or upset that they may have experienced inside. And often we see the expression physically, you know, my daughter Lily, if she gets angry, she, she'll lash out because mm -hmm. that's how she knows to release her emotions. That's what she naturally 
need to do and so we often say just go and have a run around just go and get let let your you know it's okay to be angry let's go and release that energy in a positive way let's go and run it off um so it's 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 how it's important that as parents and also as teachers and carers they play a vital role in helping kids um development is that they give that opportunity for children to express themselves mm. in a safe place where they're not going to be judged and where they're given the tools to help them um, manage their emotions deep breathing is really easy y lily does yoga you know she loves that's crazy yoga that's so crazy <laughs> and we don't do it to I screen it. we have a book of yoga so mm -hmm. we're not you know try and get away from screen time as much as possible and obviously role model the way as parents if you children do what they say they don't do what you yes. say <laughs> mm -hmm. that's 100 percent true it's a so, hunt and that's where a lot of I don't know. I went. I don't want to. I don't want to make this statement because it's going to sound a certain way. I see a lot of parents that pretend to be a good parent when they're out in public with their children, and then you know they're not good parents based upon the, the, some of the reactions that a child makes around them. Mm. So when you're out in public, the child isn't on their best behavior because they're a little bit more free because they know they can get away with shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's normal. It's human. It's obviously your human mind. So you, you know yeah. you can get away with it. So I'm not going to say things to you individually and I'm going to get popped in the throat. And that was a normal that reaction, right? So yeah. I can do it out in public. Well, that's what happens when you like even so very much so my, my father. And I don't want to talk about like in a negative way, but he was taught at a very young age as a child. When you walk inside of a store, put your hand in your pockets and he still does it. He's 65 years old. He'll walk <laughs> into a store and put his hands in his pockets. <laughs> It's powerful, man. It's like powerful. It's, it's so powerful. Like, so I want people to really take some time today and just get real quiet in whatever time that is for you. I, I, what works for me is morning time and then nighttime, kind of like maybe measure and reassess, whatever. And it that very first moment when I wake up in the morning is my favorite time is because I'm able to kind of now check in with myself and see what's going on in my frontal lobe, what's my subconscious mind. What am I feeling? And I'm not really going into like judgmental. I'm just embracing it and surrendering because you can't think and be at the same time. It's impossible. So, you know, as you know, it's like the human mind aroused by the, you know, the uh, meaning of the existence, you know, finds and seeks and finds nothing but contradiction and nonsense. You don't know what's happening. You're like, I don't know. I'm just grabbing onto a memory somewhere of a snapshot of time. And people don't realize that sometimes that the ones that they idolize as children they, if you look deep at their actions and habits, their actions and habits, it's a good chance you probably possess the same ones. Yeah. And we know from epigenetics as well that what yeah, we experience right. as parents and also our grandparents carries forward. Mm -hmm. So we will inherit the genes associated not just with um, physical um, changes, but also um, of cognitive changes is important. Mm -hmm. We we have those genes inside of us. So kids typically will have a a, a composite of how their brains the the brains of their parents looked, all their mm -hmm. grandparents, and so they may experience emotions or or reactions to certain things that they've never actually experienced themselves, but it's actually right. happened in a in a past generation before them and it's important that we recognize how much our genetics and our 
our uh, history from from our parental background plays a role in terms of our brain development as well. Um, but we're not stuck with the genes we have. They just load the gun. Our environment pulls the trigger. And, and that's all the, around this new new field of epigenetics. So we can change the future brains, future of future generations, but we just need to create that in right environment, nurturing environment for mm -hmm. us to really flourish and grow um, at, from the point of birth all the way through. That's so, that's powerful. Like, I mean, you, and you would think that, you know, genetic like proclivities wouldn't be based upon surroundings in an environment of previously before life before you. Right. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't, ever try to investigate that really mm. you know that's not where your mind's going to go it's there to keep you alive right so you're not there to think about something that complex mm. there's not enough scientific proof to base you know with that scientific facts onto something else and making it more logical in your mind mm. and now you go okay that's true and then even if you find a new discovery is it popular is it going to be popular in the world or is it going to fit the narrative of what's being projected onto you and programmed through channels. But I don't think this is a whole deep conversation, but <laughs> I can go, I can keep going down this road. We could go for a long time. I, I, I yeah, but I'm not going to do them at the same time. <laughs> obviously we have, you know, it is, it's a certain, you know, obviously getting to that certain time of the, of the conversation, but I do have one question that I really wanted to ask you. And it hasn't come to me until about halfway through this. Say for instance, if you're a parent and you've heard, I'm sure you've heard this in the communities and around, Oh, you look just like your father or you act just like your father. Like we're, we're taught at a very young age when a child is born. Oh, you look like that. Or you look like this. You're labeling all the way at the beginning. So like my daughter, she, I think she's a great mix. My, my ex is a, it was a gorgeous and like, she's beautiful, beautiful. And it's a great mix. You see both sides, you know, and I, I just, I got really irritated when she was born and this, and this goes out of my family and they're going to get mad when they hear this, but I don't care. Um, <laughs> it is what it is. Like, Oh, she looks like me. Or oh, she looks like, you know, I'm like, no, she looks like a mole. You know, like she looks like a, my child, our child. It's, I just think that that's projection all the way. That's abuse. <laughs> It's labeling, isn't it? It's well, yeah, labeling. labeling at the beginning. Just yeah. think about this. Like, so yeah. if you, so think about this as a child, if you're hearing this in your, you know, you're coming at you when you do something negative or get in trouble, you act just like your father. Exactly. You act just like your uncle. You see my point? Mm. Yeah. And, it, and that's a, you know, one of the major ants, the labeling ants, automatic negative thoughts. We often label people or we label ourselves and it's really destructive because as soon as you do oh, that, right. everything about that person or everything about that group is bucketed in that thought process. Like you said, you're just like your dad. So everything that your dad did suddenly becomes what now you're going to do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now it's my um, problem. See, yeah. but, but this isn't a very, but it's not their fault. That's how they, because right. I can hear, I can hear my grandparents say it <laughs> yeah. like stuff like this. Okay. Yeah. So it's, 
like, wow, this, I mean, man, this, this episode has been very and, even impactful for myself, but yeah, I mean, and therapy challenging automatic negative thoughts. We, they do it a lot through cognitive behavioral therapy. We do it as part of brain health coaching is so key that it's something that kids should be learning at school. I just, just said the word should, it would be really helpful <laughs> for kids to learn at school because it helps them throughout their whole life. Same as havening, same as meditation, deep breathing, all really powerful tools that they can apply throughout their life and not be a victim of their own thoughts and of their own, of their own negative self-talk, but use their thoughts to empower themselves. Well, and I'm going to help you. <laughs> I already know that. You already know that. I'm, I'm going to help you. <laughs> I don't care what it's going to take. I'm like, you're about to see a show come out of Dr. Mary Allen. I guarantee you. <laughs> you're about to see it. Like, I don't care. I will pay for it myself. <laughs> I'll do it myself. Let's, I think go, it's let's go. <laughs> like I will make it happen myself. Like you don't need to worry about anything. Just show up, microphone, talk, and I'll get it out there. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm dead serious. The, the listeners are gonna be like, he's telling the truth, Doctor Ruth. So, um, because I'm not. I wouldn't say that crazy. I would say it's crazy to everybody else. The way when I'm that passionate about something, I'll do whatever I need to do to make it happen. Yeah. Remember you mentioned you're saying your competitive advantage, never giving up. Never give up. I'm just not going to give up on myself. I'm not going to give up on anything. I I don't accept anything less than the best for myself, mind, body, spirit, ever into my life, ever Mm. again. Do you know what I always say to myself is the only person's opinion that matters as to whether you can or can't do something is your own. Yeah, it's true. And then it, people's other opinions of you at a snapshot of a time of who they, who you were potentially with their perception. You see how deep that message, what I just said, with their perception of who they thought, because it's not mm-hmm. about that's not who you are. So why are you labeling me in the first place? Mm-hmm. So if you think if you look at it on a deep real level and actually using your brain and what <laughs> it's there for, maybe it tends to take, protect you and keep you alive, but you can also use it for your own good and actually think about something and look at something and, and look at another piece of evidence that ba- is based upon scientific proof. It's kind of like forcing someone to see. It's like, you know, what's diff- difficult for me is that when people refuse to see or be open to a different possibility, mm. I used to have a certain emotion or a certain reaction when it came to that. It's like almost a physical reaction, like wanting to shake someone, you know, but you can't. It's like I learned now that where those boundaries there are now, right? So mm-hmm. I only put my attention and energy on things that I can recycle. Mm-hmm. I, I, so if you don't have, I can pick up pretty quickly. Doc, if, if we're having, if you weren't you, but if you're in another <laughs> individual, I could pick up on an individual and going, they, they are, they're walking through life and just not, they don't have no idea what's going on. And I know that they, they're not going to grasp the concept or some of the messaging that I'm about to share with them, the information. Right. So I need to first, I need to figure out who they are and I'm going to ask questions Yeah. and see if they would be open to change. And if they're not open, peace, <laughs> I got to go. <laughs> I'm out. I'm telling I am ruthless now, doc. <laughs> I'm ruthless. I will, I will cut you off without you yeah, even giving me scissors. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know you have probably had a possibility. You've been cut out of my life all the way. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Anyways, Doc, I appreciate you. Thank you so much um, for coming on. Uh, I've 
I had to look up and see what time it was. I was like, oh my goodness, we're going long <laughs> on this one. Um, you know, it's funny. It's like we, we had a certain amount of time and we got to around that time and that's crazy. And I was thinking, oh, we'd be done way before that. Anyways, um, <laughs> anything else you want to share with the listeners before we go? Uh, we'll put all this stuff in the show notes and how to find you and that you don't really need to go into all that. We're, we're going to really promote this, especially with this one, because I, I'm just, I love everything that you do inside and out. I just think it's phenomenal and it's for the right reasons, not in a reasons to potentially make money or become wealthy. It's yeah. to really change lives. Yeah, it really is. That's my core focus. And I, what I would say to people is, you know, whatever you feel you're struggling with right now from a brain mm. health perspective, from a personal perspective, you know, there is always help out there and, and ask for help, not because mm. you feel weak, as Les Brown would say, ask for help so that you can remain strong. And you're not stuck with the brain you have. You you have the opportunity to make it better at <laughs> any age, at any age. Um, I, ch I chuckle because I can hear, I'm chuckling because I hear Les Brown's voice in my head. <laughs> you have greatness within you, you know? Like I, <laughs> Let's just open the door of opportunity by unchaining right. your pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's funny because I think I shared that with you before. It's like when we're having conversations with people. Like, it's kind of like they get plugged into our energy, right? I mean, they're dialed into that energy. You're, you're now able to do things and share things with them that they wouldn't normally be open to. And I'm not even taking your brain. And as you're having a conversation, I'm putting mine in yours. Okay. I'm rewiring. It's kind of like this. <laughs> you're like, oh my gosh, I can move my fingers. I can, you know, I, anything is possible. Right. And then when you take theirs, your back out, it's like, this is mine. Thank you. And you put theirs back in their head and they go, oh, wow, this is nice. And they go about their life. But here's the problem. They go about their life and they think it's over. No. They're fixed. They're healed. It's an everyday process. Every day. It's always work to do. Right. So, but yeah, thank you so much again. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. And guys, y'all appreciate it. Be well, be you, be great. Reach out to Dr. Roof. If you don't, I'm going to force you to. <laughs> um, and I'll figure how I can maneuver that moving part to make that happen. Is it a, it's like a necessity. Like when you <laughs> listen to a certain show that you have to reach out or you can't reach out to me at all. <laughs> I'm going to be, I'm going to be naughty about this doc. I'm like, you gotta do one session. I give it away for free. I don't know. I'll buy it myself. Like, I don't care. Anyways, appreciate you again. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Podcast is brought to you by Winject Studios. We are an all-in-one educational platform for podcasters that revolutionizes how hosts leverage content to increase engagement with listeners, downloads, and income. We come together to focus on community, collaboration, and collective impact. For more information on how you can interact directly with our hosts, access exclusive live content with offers you can't get anywhere else from our official partners, join our purpose-driven community by visiting www.winject.com. If you're ready to build a career doing what you love, then we're ready to see you there.